0: Welcome to Built by a Boss. I'm your host, Evelyn Brooks, journalist, award winning producer, author, founder of In My Solitude LA. On this podcast, you'll learn about the unique origin story of Arlen Hamilton, the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, Andor or LGBTQ. Arlen is a real-life example of a woman who used hard work, self-education, and the power of belief to manifest her dream of becoming a venture capitalist. Her story is remarkable because at the time, she came from the production world and had no financial or startup background. At one point in her journey, she was homeless and on welfare sleeping in airports and motivating herself with a simple daily mantra of i am a venture capitalist and after four years she was when she received her first round of funding since 2015 backstage has raised more than seven million dollars and invested in more than 130 startup companies led by underestimated founders. She's got a new book out and we talk about that as well as all we need to cultivate now in our life and work to come out better on the other side of COVID-19. Her story is truly inspirational in these uncertain times when we're all trying to figure out how to create new streams of income and launch our next big thing. So let's get into it. Here's Arlen Hamilton. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Arlen. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Good. So great to hear you and have you today. Thanks for having me. First of all, how are you doing? We're all kind of in the midst of the most unexpected thing ever. How How is it for you on the West Coast? It's
1: okay. Doing day to day. Yeah. Right. We've had a a string of good days and just kind of holding down the fort over here.
0: Absolutely. Well, you have so much going on. First of all, I've been following you forever. I'm not even really sure when I first discovered you. I know you were um, in Fast Company, but it might've been before that. So, and I'm, um, I've worked in production and television. So I was like, oh my gosh, she is a friend in my head. So <laughs> love. Right. Love your whole story. So, but for anybody that may not know the backstory of Arlen Hamilton and your amazing trajectory, can you just give us a little snapshot of that? And then I can kind of talk about what you're doing right now, which is um, this amazing book that you're creating to give the full overview of your story. Sure. Uh,
1: So I'm Arlen. I'm the founder of Backstage Capital. It's a It's a venture fund that invests in underestimated founders, women, people of color, LGBTQ. And 2011 is when I first started thinking about this fund and and researching it. And we can go into why. Um, But over time, well, the why, actually, the the simple version of it is like when researching, starting my own company, which I had done in the past, but hadn't done it with such structure, Mm -hmm. um, 2011-ish. I realized and found out that 90% of all venture capital goes to straight white men in a country where they only make up one third of the population. So that didn't sit well with me. And also I saw it as an opportunity because so many people of, of great value were being overlooked. So I, instead of starting a company, start a fund that invests in other companies and took several several years of pounding the pavement and having doors slammed in my in my face and to get to fall of 2015 when I got my first investor for this fund backstage uh, an angel investor and a woman in Silicon Valley and throughout that process I had various states of housing and security was on food stamps at one point there's a chapter in my in my uh, book called From Food Stamps to Fast Company because I later was on the cover of Fast Company um, a few years later. But I then went on to build and we have invested in over 100 companies. We invest about 25,000 to 100,000 in each company depending on the the time and the process. We've seen more than 6,000 companies led by these under- Represented underestimated founders, and they are um, by and large just kicking major butt. And I'm very very proud and honored to be a part of that journey. And we're here today, um, looking back at about 130 companies
0: invested in. That's amazing. I mean, first of all, to be able to find 130 companies that. That's not the hard part because everybody's kind of like, I've got a company, I've got a company, but finding all of those different elements that you require to actually put money into the company, when people were saying that those companies aren't out there, how did you discover, how did you find, what was your process for finding these companies? Yeah,
1: and we've seen more than 6,000, so we invest in about 2% of what we see, so it is still very, very... um, Competitive, they're, they're just a testament to how many companies there are that are run by underestimated founders in general in the United States and beyond. Uh, the, the process has been different depending on what year it is because it's evolved. And at first, though, the, the good thing about this and the thing that I think is a big takeaway is that I had the deal flow, meaning I, I could see these companies they were, they were coming to me and I was going to them and had access to them way before I had my first dollar. And I think that's really important because there was already the the market research and the and the a market fit of right. the fund. It wasn't it wasn't a case where I've seen before where you have the the money you raise the money and then you say now what, right. and I've seen that happen a lot with with tr- more traditional quote unquote uh, GPs or general partners of funds. And the opposite was true here. It was, like, it was an embarrassment of riches when it came to the quality and the access to these companies. And I, again, again, I'm, this isn't a, a philanthropic effort. I wasn't going around throwing around checks because you're black. Right? Yeah. It was a very strategic and I have to do well here to prove the point. So um, you better believe I'm the, the harshest critic when it comes to what I'm doing. But So it started with... With me just having a curiosity and reaching out, and I would reach out to anything that was interesting, you know, any company that I saw, read about, or stumbled upon their website or use their product, et cetera. And there was a lot of that and just getting in touch and taking that initiative. Over time, that curiosity turned into hey, how can I help? Can I help you get press? Can I help you get more customers? Can I, you know, can you vent to me if you want? Can I help you? Eventually it was, hey, we need investment help. So that then it was matchmaking there. And then when I got the capital, it was um, now more of a process of, I had standing office hours every, once once per week, one day per week, I had standing office hours where you could call me, uh, used Calendly to do that. And I got a lot of great deal flow that way. Over time, all of that effort put into working the ecosystem, being, being um, valuable to the ecosystem, that started turning into like, I would say within a year, year, year and a half, that turned into way more inbound than outbound. That turned into word of mouth and executing on what I was doing and people sending me their best deals uh, turned into a lot of investors saying, hey, these are the people that I want to surface for you. Here you are. So that is just a i mean that's another book in itself building that ecosystem and that um, that network i have an entire section about networks i don't like to talk about networking talk about networks and this is a major part of how um, pe- the deal flow part happened and then eventually eventually it was the founders that we invested in just saying hey i know i know you don't look i know that you look at a lot so i wouldn't bring you anyone that i didn't think could stand next to me in this portfolio give give us your best shot and that has happened multiple times too so today we have an application process because we get so much inbound you go to backstagecapital.com and it gives you all the information you need
0: i think what you said about the relationship building is so key especially right now because i feel like relationships are your currency when you don't have a lot of currency right Absolutely. and the fact that you took all of that time to build relationships to let people know that you're out there to figure out how you can serve how do you feel that ties into this moment when people don't have a lot of capital I'm sure a lot of people are like what do I do now everything's kind of shut down How do you apply those same skills in this type of environment?
1: Yeah, it's funny how much of the book, and I'm not just saying this because I have a book out, it's so funny how much of it applies to this moment we're in, even though it was written a year, year and a half ago. I interviewed Mark Cuban a few weeks ago uh, and we talked about this too. It's like, I told, I said to him, to me, it feels like reputation is everything right now Mm -hmm. because people are going to remember how you reacted in this moment and how you acted in this moment. And I think it, I think if you start with reputation, thinking about your reputation, thinking about how you want to be remembered, not, not only when you're gone, but like how you want to be remembered a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, as as a person, as a company, as uh, an entity, an organization, if you can think through that and project into the future, it will really help you determine decisions that you make. And it's really important. Relationships and reputations are everything. And you think about it. I mean, you have people standing, people who have millions and even billions of dollars are standing arm in arm with people who have, much less than that, or everything in between, and i I, I hesitate to call it a leveling ground because I, I just don 't know if i if I want that to be my message because I just don 't think this is a good thing that 's going on, but it it does shine a light on how human we all are right. and how equal we all are, and I have been saying that for years we are the, the reason people asked me how I had the confidence to walk into these rooms with these rich people or these powerful people and make deals and say what I want and cuss them out and everything. Right. And <laughs> it's because I've always felt that we're equal. Like that's never been uh, out of mind, but you just see it so much right now. We are all kind of, we've all been wiped out and you kind of now just have, okay, you have these, you know, the, the question they ask, uh, if you were stranded on a desert island, what, what three tools would you bring? And we're figuring that out right now. Mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. finding that out right now in
0: real time. Well, you know, it's also interesting, and I'm sure you can speak to this point. I think the thing that's leveling everybody is that it's all about the art of the pivot right now. Everybody has to figure out a pivot or maybe another stream of income. I know you talk about having seven streams of income. Yes. So no matter who you are, you have to go to your own balance sheet and figure out how can I pivot how can I create a new stream of income? You know, we are all in the same boat in that regard.
1: Yes, I, I have a new online course about raising capital, and I talk a lot about bootstrapping in the course.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in a in a little bit, I am going to do an experiment where I try to teach as many people as possible how to add a revenue stream, like immediately. Because, yes, I have seven, and, and, and for 35 years, I had zero to one.
0: Right, <laughs> So right.
1: it was, I had a half, I had a maybe, I had a hope and a dream. Um, and the last five years, I said, I'm never going to go back to that. So I have to figure out a way that, I, that one thing won't knock me out. And, and, and the, reason, the way you do that is you have multiple um, streams And it wasn't me who came up with the seven. I just read it somewhere. and I still don't know where, but it's just stuck with me for so many years. I said, one day I'll have seven. And I just, it is so important that you don't have to have seven, but to not have one, to not have, to not have one is to me, probably what I'll spend the next decade trying to get across to people. But yeah, if you go to it'saboutdamntime.com and check out uh, uh, the different things I'm doing on there, you can, you can see more of that information.
0: This new book is coming out, About Damn Time, which I love the title. Thank you. What is that? Tell, tell me about that title and, and what do you want us to get from that title?
1: It can mean different things to different people and it does mean different things to me. I think as a, as a whole, it's about damn time for so many things, for, for underrepresented, underestimated people to have their moment. It's about damn time for that it's about damn time that someone who looks like me or someone who looks like you or someone who looks like the person listening to this and someone who has the background and the profile and the experience of the person listening to this and the reader, it's about damn time that we came into our own. And that's really what I want people to take from it too as well. I mean, there there are eight sections and they all go into different things and people are pulling different, Portions of it that that are really resonating with them. But if you can walk away with it, no matter what your profile, literally, no matter what your profile is, and I've talked to so many people now who are are from you know different groups who have told me different things. But if you can walk away from it understanding and, and having the conviction of, oh, this is this is my time, this is mine. I have an equal share in the ownership and the equity of this life. Once I understood that fully, because I, I did not understand that until recently, um, and until so we understand that fully, we won't, we won't get to where we're trying to go because we have, we'll have that roadblock in front of us. So I want to set that foundation of, y- yes, let's, you know, we're all equal and all of that, but here's why, and and here's an illustration of it, so that you're inspired to go out and do things. And then I also 50% of the book is how, right. because I've read a lot of books that are about getting me revved up, but they don't tell me how. And I've read a lot of books about the how that don't inspire me. So right. I wanted it to be both. Right.
0: And I, and I think that's what's really so incredibly interesting about your story. Those two things. One, it's the idea of the level of belief you had to have in yourself, because belief is everything. And then I'm always interested in the mindset of the day before you got your first client and the day after, like the moment you didn't have anything in your checking account. And then when you got like that green light, so to speak, what is the difference between those two days? Or is it the same mindset and the money just had to manifest, so to speak, based on all of the effort? that you put in over those three to four years.
1: Yeah, when we were talking about Susan Kimberlin giving me that first uh, check, after four plus years of me working towards that, the only thing that changed to me was I didn't have to worry about where I was gonna eat and where I was gonna sleep. And that was huge, of course, of right, course. Right. But nothing else, it, I, if, if I hadn't been prepared for that moment, that luck would have run out real fast, you know? That, that would have been probably where it ended, which is, oh, this is great. I'm out of this. And then I don't have anything to show for it. But I had, been, I had been simultaneously searching for capital, working on my personal situation, researching and growing and learning and keeping in touch with these founders so that the moment I finally got the yes that I needed and that I wanted, it would be on. And it was, right. <laughs> you know, that's how I was able to invest in a hundred companies in two and a half years. And again, these are not me going out and just throwing checks at people. And it's really fast. This is like one by one by one, looking at 50 companies to get to the one. It was that foundation that was set. And I still, to this day have a uh, time in my day carved out uh, for me to learn something, to research, to just be better and better and better
0: every every day. That's amazing. And and so so true, because here's the thing that I think is really important about this moment and why I think it's great to kind of lay it out for people, the the shiny bobbly part of like, and then this happened, but then I had to do this to get it. Because the mm-hmm. thing about it is all of that time that you were working hard to make this moment happen, I think that it just prepares you for the next moment and the next moment. It's like, it it doesn't stop, you know what I mean? And so for a lot of people that are entrepreneurs that have businesses, talk to them about how, okay, we're in the middle of COVID-19, but, Two years from now in your business, there will be something else, and how are you prepared for that?
1: Yes, I think that the lessons that we learn now, the reason that they're so important and the reason that they actually give me hope and optimism is not only that it's going to be a Band-Aid and a a, a buoy today, it's gonna help us today, but I think there's a lot that's going to be taught and learned over the next several months over the next couple of years that will that people will look back 20 years from now and say, I learned this skill, i learned this way of, of doing, I changed the way I do things because of that. And that's why this works so well. Again, it's about taking that adversity and that even feeling dire and doom and, and gloom and all of that and not necessarily just putting on a smile and going out there and it's gonna be fine and just saying it and that fixes everything. But really, really f- finding your metal, you know, finding wh- what you're worth, rising to the occasion when you can, taking good care of yourself when it feels too overwhelming, not feeling, not comparing yourself to the next person, all of those things are really important, but really just mining as much of the information, the learnings, the skills, the habits, everything that you can from this very moment.
0: What did you learn about Arlen while writing this new book? I hadn't had a chance
1: to really, I reflect a lot because I reflect, I've been reflecting daily since I was five years old as I talk about in the book, I have a lot of that, but I hadn't had a chance to really take in the accomplishments mm-hmm. of the past five years, The the how different life is. Um, and writing this book, you have to, you have to face it. You face, it talks about the last five years, talks about a little bit fur, further back. You have to really face it. And, and it's really um, taught me that I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself, you know, and I, I know unapologetically. So I, I'm very proud of the, of the accomplishments and the impact that this has had. And it, it, it's a great foundation of what's to come. I'm very excited about the next couple of decades in particular, and the next couple of years in particular. And, and it just taught me that it's, it's okay to celebrate that. Not that I, not that I shirk from that, but when you have it all in one home, it's easier to, to really say, oh, well, I I guess I can, you know, I guess I will order a cupcake and celebrate that, you know? Right, right. It's been about, it's been about the work for so long and it will continue to be.
0: Do you think that that's something a lot of women entrepreneurs struggle with that, that willingness to celebrate themselves because a lot of times men don't have a problem with like, you know, I'm the bad, you know what I mean? It's like men don't always feel like they don't deserve something in some type of way. Do you think that's something that women struggle with in general or is it women in business?
1: I'm not sure. And I, I, again, I, I've, I've never been one to uh, struggle with that as I said, but it's more about being so, heads down that I just hadn't had time to even think about it and let let it wash over me and I there are a lot of things I've observed about women and men and people of color versus others and etc and for sure in my observations I've seen that there is a there's just less confidence across the board for women from all backgrounds for whatever reason and and uh well I actually talk about the reasonings in the book but it's 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 mostly what we've been taught and what, what we've seen in the world. And uh, there's a lot more um, autonomy that, that we have that we, we would discover.
0: So I have uh, two more questions for you. We all have 24 hours in one day, but what I do with my 24 hours and what you do with your 24 hours has a huge impact on how successful we are. So can you give me... One to three things that you feel that you do every day that directly impacts your ability to be successful and make moves in your life and business.
1: I definitely carve out time six to seven days a week for research, and I and I that can be online, that can be a book, that can be a chapter, it can be a podcast, something that is within my industry or something that I want to learn more about outside of it that sharpens sharpens the sword as they say and that to me is a habit that is very important and it's very it's easier the more you do it because it becomes really fun and and having that information is fun right um another thing that I do is I I take a break I take breaks um, not all, not a lot through during the day. Every once in a while, I'll take a, a midday break, but I definitely stop my full-on work at 6 p.m. Pacific if I'm at home, and other times depending on the travel, and that's really important um, because it's it's a boundary that is is sacred to me, and it, it sharpens me for the next day and i make sure that i do it whether it's upsetting someone or not it's that's really not my concern it's about me being the best i can be for other people and i can't be the best i can be for other people if i'm always being pulled in every direction and never standing up for myself there so that's that's something that's really important checking in with with family is a is a daily habit that is easier for some people just because it just depends on the dynamics of your family or or where you live like who you live with already and compared to who's out there but um, to me that is helpful because it reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing when I talk to my mom my brother and I have a my brother my mom and I have a, a group chat and kind of stole that idea from from someone and uh, it's just been really nice um, my friend Will he does that with his mom and, and his sister, and it uh, it's been really, really nice. And it kind of just, even when things are a little stressful or things are so serious in this world, you know, in this in this venture capital world or whatever, yeah. uh, my brother will send something funny or my mom will say something like, "Oh, I got this in the mail. Thank you," and or you know, "This is what's happening with your cousin" or whatever, and and it just brings you back to reality, which is very nice. So those three things have been have been helpful.
0: Awesome. So last question, this podcast is called Built by a Boss. And it's when we talk to women who have incredible origin stories, they're founders, entrepreneurs. And I always like to hear what every woman's definition of a boss is. What does that mean to you?
1: Um, It means being able to do what you want, when you want it, and also spending your money the way that you want. So- Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is that often online, someone will have an opinion of how I spend my money, when it, even if it's philanthropic, that I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much or I'm not doing the, going to the right place or this and that. And we see that with other people. We see people having an opinion about, well, you only, you only donated a million dollars to COVID-19 and you're worth a billion. How dare you? You know, not knowing what else they might've done that they, that they did announce, um, So to me, being a boss is like being able to do those things and not caring what other people think of it, as long as you're doing no harm.
0: Wonderful. Okay. The new book is called About Damn Time. (laughs) Awesome, awesome title. Um, I will definitely put all of your information in the notes, but do you want to quickly tell people where they can find you before we go?
1: Absolutely. It's about damn time.com is going to be the number one place you go to find everything else. You can also text me at 832-210-1276. And if you let me know where you found me uh, on this podcast, I'll I'll write back to you and uh, I'll send you you something for your troubles. 832-210-1276. I just keep up with you. It's really me t- texting. It's not a <laughs> lot. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there and we'll keep up with each other and it'll be uh, a good time. It's about damn time. How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage is the book.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Arlen Hamilton. Such a Thank pleasure you. to talk to you. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Evelyn Brooks, and you've been listening to Built by a Boss. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. You can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or your favorite place. Please consider giving us a five-star review and a comment. It really helps other people find us who might like the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and visit our website, You can find me at InMySolitudeLA.com as well, where I create online intention and goal setting workshops and products for aspirational people like you. As always, thank you for listening. I truly appreciate you. Until next time, be kind, be brave, be better, be a boss.